Merson has scored it. Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just eat the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Alright, a very good morning to you. Welcome along to OTB AM. We're with you every weekday morning from 7.30 all the way through until 10. It's the Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Johnny Ward is here. Johnny, good morning to you. How are you, Ger? How are you getting on? Shane Hannan is here. Shane, good morning to you. Ger, Johnny, good morning. How are things? Whoa, coming in hot from the crucible. How are you? Keep well, keep well. Flying, still still flying. It's um, it's easy to get up early every morning when you have snooker to look forward to. I was going to give you a snooker background on the Skype here and then I thought better of it. I can change it if you want. Go ahead. Yeah, so sure. give you a couple of a couple. Yeah. We've got we've got the crucible here behind me. I don't know if you can see that. I like that. Yeah. Um, we've got that's yeah. another another crucible version, a bit more distant, possibly. Are these your? Oh, own, we've just got a your own photographs. Yeah, well, I just took them off Google late last night, so we've got a snooker table generally. So um, I don't know if you have a favourite option or if you just want the blurred background, but we can stick with this if you like. Uh, the nightlife in in Sheffield obviously not that good. If you're able to get up for us and be bright eyed and bushy tailed at half seven. Yeah, funny, um, the, the the people in the UK don't like to, to drink on weeknights, it turns out, or, or Sunday nights. Um, yeah, it's one of those weird ones where the, even on Sunday night we went met up with a couple of Irish lads um, who had just happened to bump into over here and went for a couple of pints in a pub called The Grapes, which is a, a nice little Irish homely pub. Um, but then, yeah, by, by quarter past half eleven, it's like, yep, yeah, last orders. So quite easy to be uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as you say. There you go. A great club in town, Sheffield, if you want to go out and um, dance all night, apparently. It, yeah. 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 Shane hasn't found it yet. What about the snooker no. itself? Snooker's flying, Johnny. Um, I mean, the, the draw's kind of opening up on one side for Ronnie O'Sullivan a little bit, with all this, with no disrespect, sorry, intended to, to the other players. He uh, he plays Luca Brussel um, at 10 a.m. this morning in the first quarter final, so it, it, it looks like it's kind of opening up because if he wins that. Uh, and Luca Brissell has never been this far in the tournament. He plays either Anthony McGill or Xi Zhao the young Chinese 20-year-old in the semi-finals. And then the other side of the draw, you've got John Higgins, who's playing brilliantly against Mark Selby in a, in a, in a Titan quarter-final. Both players have won four world titles. So it's Ronnie O'Sullivan's to lose, that's what I'm going to say. But uh, we could have a, a real, real uh, exciting final this year, Ronnie, against one of the big hitters. What are tickets like, actually? You're talking you're talking £50 for a session early, early on in the tournament. Uh, so around 60 euro to to get and that could be I mean you could get very very unlucky there was the other morning because Ronnie had finished the session early uh, and got the job done against Hussein Vafai 13-2 it meant people had bought tickets for a Ronnie O'Sullivan session over on table one um, but Ronnie had finished the match early this is the risk you take with snooker so those play, people probably came on Sunday thinking oh we're going to get to see Ronnie O'Sullivan for the first time ever um, and yet <laughs> he had finished the match early so Unfortunately, that was money not well spent. They obviously lift up the divider and you can see the other match, but it's just not the same. Yeah, my mate sent a, a photo on the group. It's like, we have a really, really good view of the table, but like that was the table in front of them. That wasn't actually the table where the studio was on. So the, the table was like the other end of the room. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the way, the, way, the way it works out. It is it is a really, really good live event. Like so, Someone yesterday was saying to me, yeah, they were, I think they were watching Ali Carter in one of the first rounds. It was their first time over here and they were like, Jesus, I was front row and I could smell Ali Carter's aftershave. And I was thinking, yeah, that's 
that's what snooker is all about. The sights and the smells, and you can you can almost feel the, the the chalk coming off the cube and flying into your face. Not quite, but um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you, if you have a closer seat, all the better. So you haven't you haven't seen Ronnie this year yet, have you? No, I did. Sorry, I managed to see Ronnie on uh, Saturday. So two or one session against Hussein Vafai, and he was he was brilliant. There were uh, seven frames. Ronnie wins all seven. Like. I I couldn't believe that we got those tickets because it was, it was actually Stephen Healy, shout out to him, he's a male or a Sligo man who, who managed to sort us out. And the, the Ronnie tickets, as you can imagine, are, are gold dust for every round. And uh, even just Rob Walker introducing them to the crowd, there's just a, a different feeling. There was a, there's obviously four, uh, four four players being introduced for each session uh, and Ronnie was the last on that on that day. And I mean, like the, to say the place was electric. Uh, and we were we were lucky to be on that side of the of the room as well. And he played brilliantly, which just added to the occasion. It's probably it's up there now with one of my uh, with one of my favourite sporting moments live. Just to see, wow. I've seen I've seen Ronnie play live at exhibitions, um, and and both in Drogheda and in Monaghan. But but it's just not the same at the Crucible Theatre when there's something on the line. Um, and and in, in the year in which he's going for an eighth world title to to beat Stephen Hendry, it's just it was electric, lads. Hussein, like, I, I don't know what Hussein Vafai is. Am I am I doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hussein Vafai, yeah. I mean. You know, uh, a bit a bit Frank Lampard esque going at uh, Jurgen Klopp. Oh, there you are, giving it the big one with your seven world titles. Um, <laughs> what the hell was he doing? Like it, it was. It's one of the lamest Stoke the Bear, try and punch them in the nose efforts that we've ever seen ever in any sport ever. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like even in the, it's it kind of all started last year when Vafai said Ronnie should retire and leave it to the young players, and uh, you know Ronnie always loves complaining and this and that. And people were like, who, who is this? Who's this Vafai lad? I mean, given out that Ronnie O'Sullivan, the greatest player of all time, and then it just heated up after the after Vafai won his opening round match, and and starts uh, targeting Ronnie O'Sullivan as well, and saying he loves excuses. And Ronnie was Ronnie was sick in his, in his opening round match. Uh, he beat a Chinese player called Pang Zhongzhu 10-7, uh, and afterwards he was just like, "You, you don't want to, you don't want to piss me off, essentially." And uh, and that's exactly what Fafai did. Even in the second frame of the match, he breaks. I don't know if you, you've seen this clip, lads, but uh, Ronnie wins the first frame easily enough. It's first to thirteen. Second frame, Fafai has the break, and he just smashes the reds, uh, a la pool table style in your local pub. And uh, you just don't, you don't do that against anyone. First of all, it's seen as disrespectful. But Ronnie did it uh, to him. Is the thing he did. Yeah, he did it at the German Masters when when Vafaya was four 0 up and and Ronnie was probably just thinking, right, get me out of here. But in the Crucible, like you know, against against the greatest player of all time, you just don't do it. Ronnie, of course, cleared up. Uh, the Reds were left everywhere, and Ronnie just had had one easy red, potted the colour, and, and and cleared up and won the frame. So um, it, it didn't bother him at all. Ron, like Ronnie's steely-eyed focus has been something that that I could not believe. People have this idea of Ronnie O'Sullivan as someone who loses the head a little bit, but uh, not anymore. Like he's 47 years of age now, part of that class of 92 with, with Williams and Higgins. And um, to see him up close and how focused he was as a sports person was kind of, it was actually intimidating and scary, even 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 in the crowd. Yeah, because I remember the, the 147, that's, um, that ridiculously quick 147. I was in national school. Like I, I might even not have been in... In, in sixth class at that time, like, and the, his longevity is incredible. Like, has he gotten to the stage now where, you know, I know he's spoken a lot about this, but has he gotten to the stage where mentally he does appreciate, like, where he's at and, like, he has to kind of embrace still being at that level and em- embrace still kind of being in love with the game as well? Yeah, I think so. Like, that was that would have been April 1997 when that when that maximum happened. That was the year, actually, Ken Doherty won, won the World Championships. But, but earlier in the tournament, as you say, yeah, five minute, 20 second maximum break. 
And but the but the mental side of it for him, like he, he, I saw Steve Peters over here as well, who, who, who does be with him for the tournament. Uh, clearly, still working very heavily with him. But Ronnie, anytime you talk to him, and I've been lucky to interview him a couple of times, he's always referencing individual sports people. He's big into boxing. He's uh, he was a Tyson Fury fan for some time. He, he follows different people. We were actually sitting very close to uh, to Paddy the Baddy the other day as well, who was who was down to watch Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, he's big into tennis. Uh, I think Federer is one of his all-time heroes. He talks about Tiger Woods all the time, Djokovic as well. Um, so he, he's one of these people who just takes little bits and bobs from from different sports people. Even like the other days, he's it's the day of his match, I think, and he's tweeting about the the London Marathon, and he's just sitting up watching watching the run, and and, and that's what he does when he's over in Sheffield. Here, he goes for runs, uh, maybe goes into the Peak District a little bit, and, and relaxes. He's not on the drink or anything anymore. He's he's got a barge as well in Sheffield okay. on the on the cana- on the canal, which he he uh, sometimes sleeps on, uses for for just sitting and drinking tea and relaxing, maybe reading a book. So it's not the image of Ronnie O'Sullivan you maybe had back in the nineties, but uh, he's he's a different animal. And, and psychologically speaking, he's uh, he seems to be in a really really good place. All right, Shane, staying with us. It's uh, seven thirty-eight, just turning seven thirty-nine this morning. Here's what's coming up between now and ten o'clock for you. James Tracy's going to join us in studio to preview Leinster Toulouse. At 8 o'clock, Michael Verney's going to talk hurling at 8.25. Tommy is back with the power rankings. Meath outside the top 16, of course. Uh, no need for power rankings today from a Cavan fan, says Shane. Phil Egan's going to join us uh, alongside Kathleen at 9.15 to talk Spurs and also Arsenal. And then we'll play out with uh, Damien Delaney from last night's football show. Uh, Spurs have sacked their um, interim coach. Indeed. Um, well, it wasn't a great weekend, was it? I don't know, Gar Spurs getting the the battle for sort of fourth or fifth now is becoming quite interesting because Man United are in such a good position if they don't wobble, but I didn't see the game Sunday with Spurs. I don't know what more can you say at this stage. Well, they need a new manager. They do need a new manager. Brian Mason is stepping in. Mm. Good opportunity for Brian Mason won four out of six games the last time he was the interim manager. So if he was to do that again, you know mm. that would certainly uh put a cat amongst the pigeons in the race for the top four. Yeah, interesting debates about Harry Kane as well now, what they need to do with Harry Kane, even though he's an amazing player. Is he a bit of an upsetting influence? Um, I don't think he's an upsetting influence. Who's saying that? Yeah. Is anybody saying that, really? Anybody credible saying that? It's kind of like, how much more can you say about Spurs at this stage? Um, I, I did want to ask Shane about Mark Allen. All right, we'll go back to the snooker, so, yeah. Sure. I, <laughs> we'd moved on from the snooker, but that's all right, yeah? Bri- just briefly, so I, I once was in a heads-up in a poker tournament with Mark Allen where... Um, What's yeah, a heads-up? Heads-up is like where you're down to the last two players, which was really misleading in terms of my performance because essentially I got to the last three. It was a, it was a strange... It was, a, it was on, on in Killarney, and my boss in the race post at the time, for some reason he couldn't go, and I don't know how 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 we were invited, but like I got on this table with like Paul Carberry, uh, Ruby Walsh, Mark Allen, um, a few rugby players as well. Um, anyway, it was it was it was a bit mad. Was this back before you got into rugby? Uh, I was probably more into rugby when I was like before that. But uh, Shane Shane Byrne went toe to toe on points with Shane Byrne. That was. You're not going to win that, Johnny. No, no, <laughs> and I didn't. Um, but it got down to the last three. But I, I had like I'd say it about three percent of the chips left, if maybe five. And it was tall tennis person was a heads up between Paul Carberry and Mark Allen. And Mark Allen, like all he did the entire game was he literally bluffed, 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 bluffed. He was just kept going all in, all in, all in, and he won anyway. And I, I ended up heads up with him, even though I, I had no chance. But I spoke to him afterwards. It was like you have an interesting style of. Uh, 
playing poker and he goes I'm kind of the same in snooker I just my attention span is terrible and I just can't last out games but apparently he's finally reached uh, his kind of potential and this could be his year well, Jesus, lads, we could have uh, we could have an Irish winner this year, and that story seems to be um, going under the radar. Like he's one of those, he's one of the, the best players to have not won a world championship. I would say he's up there with the likes of Karen Wilson. Um, what a talent! Uh, Jack, uh, he's unbelievable. And and this year, like he's got uh, Jack Jones in the quarterfinal this morning. And Jack Jones, with all due respect to, to the Welshman, he's never been in this position before. Mark Allen's got to a semi final before, albeit it was years ago. But uh, it could well be um, it could it could be a Ronnie O'Sullivan Mark Allen final. That'd be like, amazing. Doors open up, which would be incredible. Like he's actually lost six stone. Mark Allen in recent months he's credited Ronnie O'Sullivan as someone who he's worked alongside um, to help him achieve that obviously he's had personal trainers and stuff as well uh, in fact one of, the, one of the Irish lads I was with the other morning was like uh, went up to him the, the other day and said Mark you're, you're not half the man you used to be which uh, which Mark took in, in good spirits he's a uh, He's unbelievable. Like he, he, uh, he's playing so well. He's he's thrashing people. He's not just beating people all season. It's been it's been threatened, um, but but the fact that he's doing it so and he looks so healthy and happy. Like he was even on commentary for the BBC the other day. Uh, I was at one of the matches, um, and and to be honest, I was distracted because Alan was in in my in my ear on the earpiece alongside John Virgo on commentary, and lads, Mark Allen is an unbelievable co-commentator in snooker, um, like he he had so much insight. He's so witty as well he, but he knows when to be humorous he knows when the players don't want the audience for example in the auditorium giggling and putting off the players so he holds the humor off to, to you know to, to a moment where there's already been a shot taken or maybe he's on a century break and and the frame is over uh, for all intents and purposes so um he's an unbelievable commentator he's clearly in a good place on the, on the base as well so uh look if he could beat jack jones and get past his semi-final and maybe meet ronnie sullivan in the final that would be that would be incredible he's um He's a talent, and, and this year he's threatening to go all the way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that he was a bit of a bluffer on the poker table as well. He's, he, he, uh, he admitted it, but like, you, you think Paul Carby, like one of the most mercurial sort of geniuses in, in, in any... How do you call it, though, Shane? So, like, is it Rockets to lose, more or less? I'm, I'm going with Ronnie O'Sullivan. Like, the way John Higgins has been playing... Uh, he's been incredible although Higgins hasn't won the World Championships since 2011 he's lost the last three fi- in fact he lost three finals in a row in recent years um, so he just needs to get over that line again he's got Mark Selby in a quarter final um, like Anthony McGill is a player who's who's played really really well and seems to just only up his game for the Crucible um, a lot of people are fans of his and he'll play Robert uh, or sorry C. Jaoué now in the in the next round, so I'm going Ronnie O'Sullivan, lads. You really are in your happy place, though. That you're just, you're just. I mean, you're you're just happy there, really. Yeah. yeah. Look at the smile. Just buzzing. There buzzing. Just buzzing. <clears throat> um, uh, Fountainstown Forland says, lads, the cricketers are doing great. 399 for six at lunch on day two. Amazing turnaround from last week on the same pitch. The endurance to last two days in the heat is unreal. We could be on for a draw. Justin Manny says, hope you mentioned the cricket lads. Ireland in a strong position at lunch on day two. We'll talk about that. Big moan for Sterling as well, I think, yeah. Hit a century this morning. We'll talk with uh, Phil a little bit later on. He's been watching it out there. The, uh, right about a quarter past nine, we'll bring up to date on how that is going as well. Um, so, y- y- you both wanted to talk about uh, Gaelic football this morning. You have a bee in your bonnet about James Horne's column. Well, just, I mean, it's actually a really good column. And exam- oh, you're backpedalling furiously already. Well, I'll, back, I'll backpedal to the first line. At halftime on Sunday, Galway had powered their way to outright favourites for this year's All-Ireland. Like, what? That's absolutely ridiculous. Like, Galway were hot favourites to beat Roscommon 
give her, I think the handicap was two, but they were ahead of where they were expected to be at half time. Roscommon were poor and their attacking limitations were exposed. Galway were leading against Roscommon. Galway are fourth favourites for the All Ireland. They're nowhere near favourites. Kerry and Dublin are vying for favouritism. Kerry are favourites. So you can't say they were favourites. They were favourites, in my opinion. Favourites are what the bookies say. Hey like, man, in, that's in, just in, like my opinion. Man, um, so they're not favourites. I, I, I'm with James Horn. Obviously James Horn's favourites at halftime. You but didn't say that. He's, he's, not, he's literally writing a column. There's a picture beside him. Probably haven't been favourites for the All Ireland long time. He then goes on though to say that their kickout strategy is a bit of a mess. Very interesting reading. Uh, I don't know, Shane Galway. For me, the fact that you know they they got so close last year will have some learnings from it coming through the Connacht Championship as well so it's you know fairly easy for them to um, win one game sort of this year and they're more or less in the in the top seeding I, I do I don't, they're not favourites but I, I do like their chance actually I, I hate all this stuff in GA where people from a certain county who are playing really well and doing really good stuff lean away from the favourite stuff like you had Shane Curran the other morning going ah Roscommon no chance against Galway essentially you're on with me Johnny um, like you're a Galway man you all Ireland final last year the team has probably developed from last year as well you've got players like John Maher and Robert Finnerty looking brilliant once Shane Walsh gets back into it now and properly uh, you'll be even better Damien Comer looks supreme um, might have found the solution to your goalkeeping problems as well it's probably still a, a bit of an issue but um why don't we not lean into it? Like, if you got to an All Ireland semi final, or sorry, All Ireland final last year, you're into the Connacht final this year. Uh, weren't far off Kerry, it has to be said, last season. Yeah, if, if Goa played the dubs right now, I'm not sure who would, who would come out on top of that. It's probably uh, Dublin's to lose, but you got to lean into this, Johnny. Galway are one of the favourites, if not the favourites for some people, for the All Ireland. Well, they're fourth favourites, and like if you're talking about like the the market is absolutely dominated. But the market isn't always right. It's not always. And that's the whole point is like the whole point is trying to find some value. And what James Warren is saying, in his opinion, they're the most likely winners. But it's an opinion column. Of course, it's his opinion. Why are Dublin so much shorter than Galway in the betting? That that I don't get. I I, if we play Dublin tomorrow, I'd fancy Galway. Well, fair enough, but uh, because Dublin are far superior outfits to the team that that played last year, that ran Kerry close in the second half. Yeah, I know they've. I know they've like they've. Conor Callan's fit. I, I know that. Like, did we see that in the league? Paul Mannion. Yeah, and McCaffrey's back. There you go. So, uh, but who are you putting ahead of Gal- of Galway, Johnny? Who are the three teams ahead of them? Uh well, Kerry would be. Yeah, like Kerry are still Kerry still beat Galway with a degree of comfort last year, and there's no evidence they're any worse. Um, but I don't know the gap with Dublin. I'd have shorter. I I, I just don't know with Dublin. I like in the league uh, there was a lot of shadow boxing, and we haven't learned much yet. But in theory, if you look at the All Ireland semi final last year, Dublin should win the All Ireland with the players they have back. But I don't know. I think Kerry could improve on last year as well. That's the other thing. Mm. So Kerry are another year down the road of having uh, Paddy Talley's defensive structure embedded. Uh, the young players are more mature. Like we're we're not going to see the full flare-out of their forwards' uh, talent, I mm. think, until we get to Crow Park on our Ireland quarter-final weekend. Did it with Galway? Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe, maybe. We'll see. I, I, like, uh, Galway are being uh, anointed by both Horan and McGuinness as like, whoa, this is it now. Is, like, I, they played Common in a game that both teams could afford to lose. Mm. Like, let's, let's wait and see. You know, last year they beat Derry and they beat Armagh. And yeah, you know, uh, and Mayo in Croker. Yeah, they beat Mayo in Croker. They beat Mayo in Castlebar. Right, Jerry's still hold, holding on to his ninety ninety eight Kildare bitterness. You see, when he no, I just I think so. that like we're in danger sometimes of overrating stuff. Like there was an incredible performance from Shane Walsh in the All Ireland final, but nobody really thought that Galway were going to win that game. 
Did they? At any stage, did I'm it really not, feel like, oh, we're going to win the game? Halftime was a point in it. I think I think oh, there was a chance for Galway. I don't. I, I I just feel like yeah, this year it's tough to know which teams want to win their province. But Galway, I feel like the team like Joyce kind of suggested as much that the the, the Connacht Championship still matters to Galway. I, I don't know how much it mattered to Mayo or us coming. I, look, um, I, I, I I was going to make this point about um, McGinnis's column today. He's talking about the basketball playoffs and how he went to a game one time in Charlotte with the kids and. Um, the guy in the queue behind says don't worry you're not, you're not going to miss anything until the last 10 minutes because it doesn't matter it's a regular season game but the playoffs are on at the moment and every single play matters and he was like oh the Connacht that game between Roscommon and uh, Mayo at the weekend every, everything mattered I'm like, it did not it did not matter you can continue to fight the ingovernable sea but provincial championships are dead I see Peter Canavan out going oh my medals are really important to me fair enough that was a, that was a time when it really mattered it doesn't matter anymore Especially now, now we have a proper round robin. The provincials are there. How long do they have, Ger? I don't. They could have a. They could have another century. Mm. This is the GEA. We could be stuck <laughs> with them forever. Climate change will take care of that. <laughs> is there? Um, is the Hoover back with you, Shane? This little bit. Of- there's no Hoover. There's no Hoover with me. Um, no, there's no Hoover here, uh, unless it's coming from 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 you lads. But uh, I guess the weekend you- means a lot to the likes of. Um, Offaly, for example, who are sort of thrown against me, then you're like, well, and then you look at Loud. So, like, it's not like the provincial championships, like, there were always mismatches as well. So, uh, there are some kind of pockets of, like, uh, games. Resistance. Like, resistance. Like, I, I know it's a bit of a joke, and you need teams matched up against teams of, of a similar ilk, but Sligo are in a Connacht final, Clare are in a Munster final, um, Offaly and Loud are quite happy with their lot at the moment, as are. Obviously, our man Monaghan. Clare are currently the second best team in Munster, and so they're there mm-hmm. on merit. Yeah, I think you could say. Even think, though their manager thinks the province provincial thing is a joke at this. Yeah, point. but I, I think for Offaly, for example, like they played Mead in a game where they had targeted that for ages, mm. and that suggests that they're going to be realistic contenders when it gets to the Talton Cup, and that's a really important, mm. you know, developmental stage for Offaly, who hopefully at some point become an established Division 2 team and then become like Monaghan are the model everybody yeah. should be aspiring to be Monaghan and um, you know if, if the organisation and the backroom team is good and the structures are good then there's no reason why you can't be competitive um, at that point then you go deep in either the Talton Cup or you know you cause upsets in the All-Ireland series in Sam Maguire like, well, how, how, do me, how do me approach the Talton Cup actually this year? Well, they, they, obviously consider- have to go, they, have, they absolutely have to go all out to win it. They'd probably consider themselves a little bit historically above this, but they're not. Yeah, I think that's the point. I don't think anybody... Uh, you are where you are. And if Kildare are in the Southern Cup, that's because they've fallen into it uh, as a result of not managing the league properly. And so if Kildare are in the Southern Cup and don't win it, it's a disaster, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a do, do you, how do you avoid lads going abroad, though? How do you avoid lads deciding at this stage, this week, if you're a mead footballer and you're like, well, do it, I really want to win the Southern Cup? Well, I, look, if, if lads go abroad, lads go abroad, then they weren't that committed to the season in the first place and you've got to question that, you know? Like, um, I don't think the the club championship in, I don't think the money in America starts until later on anyway, right? Yeah, it's true. I know that Ben McDonald was speaking last week, the Toronto footballer, and he's going to to Boston. I think in June he's he's been over in Australia, so I think it's June maybe when the when the championship over there really heats up. But like you're seeing players, like there was news coming out of Monaghan uh, in in the last few days. I don't know if you heard it, lads, as well. But Ryan McInnesby is back, which is um, 
to people outside Monaghan, you mightn't appreciate how big of news this is, but it's it's like Monaghan getting one of the key cogs, one of the first names into their starting 15, back into their squad. There's talk that he's even in contention to, to play against Derry. I don't know how true those are, but he's been in Australia. He's been living with Ben McDonald, actually, the Tyrone player I mentioned. Ben is going out with uh, with Ryan's sister, Emer, and they've been living, living in Sydney. Um, Ryan, of course, is a nephew of the of the late Aidan McInespy, who was shot in, in Ochnercloy. And they, I think the plan is to go over and play for the Aidan McInespy club in Boston from June onwards. But but Ryan is clearly coming back into the, the Monaghan setup. Um, and that was reported this this week by Gaelic Life. So um, exciting times for Monaghan, lads. Um, if the league is being presented as a competition to rival the championship that offers more games, etc., maybe the championship should return to knockout and remove the Super 8 and develop the Talton Cup further, says Michael. I mean, just, like, go... Just go whole hog and have the provincial championships at the start of the year. Start on the new bank holiday at the start of February and finish it on Paddy's Day. And that's your uh, provincial championships done. And then take a month off for everybody to go back to the clubs and then just play a league-based championship of four divisions. It's really easy. It's really easy. That's your solution. It's really easy. Mm. It's like it's, re- it's staring us right in the face. And we're like, no, we can't do this obvious thing. It's too obvious. But Jerry, does that does that not turn the the provincial championships into the the McKenna Cup and and the the preseason competitions? But Jerry, what, how, like it, it, there would be no preseason competitions, or keep your keep your preseason competitions if you want, and then they're definitely not the preseason competitions. But it's a competition where everybody fights locally, and there's massive pent up demand for intercounty football, and it's played over six weeks, and it's a festival of football, and everybody goes and they um, have competitions. And at the end of it, there's a trophy. Like if, if everybody's like, oh, you have got to keep these trophies, keep the trophies. And if the trophy means that much to you, fight for it. It doesn't matter what time of the year you win it. Like, I, I tradition, it has to be linked. Otherwise, people won't take it, they'll take it as seriously as they want. No, but it, the, this idea of it has to be linked, I, I, it, that, that solution that you suggest would still get rid of the fact that years ago, people enjoyed the provincial championships. We're talking back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Because if you won your province, you were straight into an All-Ireland semi-final. And that, that was part of the, the luster. But you're not like, anymore, you know? I know, but but was it like so, so that no changed, they changed they that do. they changed that like twenty years ago. I know. Anyway, uh, Joy said in his interview that the only people saying they don't care about the provinces are making excuses after losing. It's loser talk, Johnny. Loser talk. Yeah, well, uh, like in, fair, in fairness, in Connacht, like what would were Roscommon overly bothered? Like, if you go back to Leitrim in what was it ninety four? Um, like they had to be Galway, Mayo, and Roscommon that year, as far as I recall, and that was an, that was unbelievable. And like for Leitrim people, that will still bring a tear to their eye thinking of it. But it's just not really possible anymore for teams to compete. So I, I think I think just from this weekend, it does feel like an absolute nadir, though, for the provincial system because everyone knows the game is up. Like at this stage, and once they went down the route of the back door, they they started tinkering with the knockout format anyway. And now we've gotten to a stage where it's just too professional at the top level, and the crowds at league games and the intensity at league games in winter, um, really good crowds at league games. Like is is testament to the fact that you know it's up, the game is up, like, and it's a question of when. I don't know. It's it, it, like I still really, really enjoy the league and the current league format. Maybe that's because I'm a Monaghan man, but I, I do think that there is something in, in keeping the league the way it is, keeping it where it is as well. I, I don't like the current system, so I'm not saying I'm coming here this morning with all the answers, but I, I wouldn't like to see the league changed whatsoever. Like, well, it needs it, to be more it, incorporated into a championship kind of. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Right, what, could it not be played in better, slightly better weather? Would that not be a good a good thing to watch the best teams play each other in good weather? Imagine that. Imagine how radical an idea that is instead of watching teams get pasted. Like, there's a good chance for all the with all the best will in the world that Sligo could put in their best performance ever, and they would still lose the Connacht final by 
eight, nine, ten points. And like that's not actually beneficial to them that much. Now, let's wait and see how they get on in the round robin. I, I wish them all the best, but it's going to be very difficult for them to step up in class if the draw is unkind to them. And it may well be. They, they may well end up getting Westmeath at home and they may well have a, a victory against Westmeath in the opening round and they could feel good about themselves and everybody will go, oh, this is, the provincials are great because look what they've done. But Sligo could have won the Talton Cup this year. Sligo could have been the ones having a mad homecoming and celebration and a team holiday. But I'm not sure that they're going to get that for... Um, winning one game and then being beaten out the gap by in two other matches and it just doesn't make any sense anyway uh, Sligo's route to the to getting into the groups was basically you know to be uh, London and New York uh, why can't the league be run in conjunction with the championship like basically any other sport asks Shifty Lads nail on the head there uh, Derek Flagbanner says classic Johnny this morning who writes this stuff cry laughing emoji not sure which bit it was the, the, probably um the one thing was you, you got to remember nothing like, with Mark Allen sport, sport yeah sports <laughs> sport for much of its most of its history was like um, you know a part time thing Gaelic games a part time thing you played for your club you played for the, the the county in the championship the summer for most counties they were knocked out half of them were knocked out in the first game that's what it was it was magic but now it's it's, it's borderline professional so it just does not exist in this format anymore it, it's completely anachronistic yeah and, and, and you know we have to attention yeah um, these are, they all have to go to work Right, like, uh, Sly- like look at Sligo's route to a Connacht final this year. That's that's the anomaly of it. Like, who who are you seeing today, Shane? Uh, we've got a bit of Ronnie. We've got a bit of Ronnie and Luke and Brussel this morning, and Mark Allen, Jack Jones. So all the players you want to see, lads. So uh, I've been very thankful to, to have seen them over the last couple of days. But it's really heating up now. So Sunday and Monday is the usual the usual final. You're, so it's all coming to a head. Being in there, yeah, you're, you don't seem to have a media pass. No, he's a bit. He's I have media pass yesterday. Well, yeah. Oh, you have media pass. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and so. you're back tomorrow, just as it gets good. Ah, listen, back in studio, I know, it's, it's unfortunate, you're going to have to listen to me talking about Snooker in studio, but listen, worse things have happened. Alright, good man Shane, thanks a million, enjoy the rest of the day. Cheers lads. OCB AM, with Gillette Labs, get the ultimate shave, or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.